Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We're kicking off today's show with some exciting news that's actually been probably about five years in the making. Today, we're announcing a partnership with the crew at Florence Marine X. So why is this a partnership rather than me just reading ad copy from a sponsor? And why would I say that it's exciting? Well, the reason is we've been discussing this relationship for years. Um, I've actually seen Florence Marine X develop since pre its inception, if you can believe that. In January of 2017, I received my first email from a Hurley staffer. And it just came through as a fan email, but it evolved into an open dialogue. I got to know some of the people within the Hurley organization, and they would kind of provide me with backstory or context for things that we were discussing on air. Or they might give me insights into what some of their athletes were up to on tour. Anyway, after the corporate disbanding, some of the key players there, including the Hurley family themselves, coalesced around John John and the idea that he had for creating outdoor adventure gear to accommodate his lifestyle. So again, we kind of continued this open dialogue for how we might include what they were doing into the conversations that we were having here on the podcast, because ultimately, even though our work is very different, we really felt like we were all kind of doing the same thing, just going surfing and then talking about it, essentially. So that's really the concept behind this part. Partnership. John John has a film coming out next month, which I would be talking about anyways. Florence Marine X has a test pilot program where you can actually be one of their product testers. So this is a way for me to kind of clue you into inside stuff like that. And then of course you'll have first access and discounts on Florence Marine X gear. So to kick off this partnership, they are offering you 20% off your first order. Use the word SURF as the promo code to get that discount. Uh, they have an ultraviolet protected long sleeve hooded rash guard that is an absolutely 
epic product and the best of its kind. The Cordura board shorts make for super durability, but they are also very comfortable, so really practical. You're probably aware that John John is famous for spending eight hours a day in the water, so all of this gear is designed around that concept, allowing you to maximize your time in the water or on the bike or on a boat while keeping you protected from the elements. So anyways, lots more to come from this partnership in the coming months. We'll also have some added perks for those of you who are podcast supporters supporters at that five or ten dollar level monthly but in the meantime enjoy the 20 percent off at florencemarinex.com with the promo code surf and also just thank you for continuing to support our work and listening through all of these years today's guest is surfboard shaper john pizel Hailing from Santa Barbara, California, John relocated to Oahu's North Shore in 1992 at the age of 23, mainly just to avoid the nine months of doldrums in Santa Barbara and to be able to surf year-round in warm water. It was there that he first discovered surfboard shaping. He was just making a couple of boards for himself and a few friends when a young Alex Florence asked if John could shape a tiny thruster for her six-year-old son. John obliged, he did it for cost, and he had no idea how that relationship would blossom and shape his career path. In the subsequent 20 plus years, John has become one of the most well-known shapers in the world, but the growth of Pizel surfboards has always tracked just a few steps behind his popularity and the demand. So I was curious to catch up with John to hear how he's managed the pressures of worldwide demand because anytime I interact with him, he's casual and he doesn't seem like he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. So it made me wonder about his strategy and whether it's even worth expanding a business to accommodate the demand, uh, why he keeps such a small roster of athletes, and also the risks involved with so closely tying your brand to one athlete. And it probably goes without staying, but um, John works tirelessly. He is a busy guy. Last time I was in Hawaii, I actually never even got to see him because he was working every day. Um, When I first tried to have this conversation with him, he was in Australia with John John for one of the CT events. Then he was in Hawaii, but only for a week. So I was finally able to catch up with him last week in Bali. So without further ado, my name is David Scales, and I hope that you enjoy my chat with surfboard builder, John Pizel. Uh, good morning, John Pizel. What are you doing in Bali? Good morning. Um, I am here. I've, I'm just surfing and um, my family, we've been coming here for a long time um, for the last like 15 years or so. I'm wow. um, actually more now, probably 17 years. But then um, every summer we usually come down here for like a month, sometimes two months at a time. And we haven't been able to come for the last three years. So this is the first time I've been back in a long time. We come and stay out, uh, out by Uluwatu every year. And so we kind of have a, it's a real, like, um, it's kind of a community out here. It's pretty cool where we've like, they've seen my kids grow up here, all the, all the local people. And like the, it's pretty classic. What uh, an amazing pretty, family yeah, tradition. So, yeah. It's, it's awesome. And, um, unfortunately my two daughters aren't here on this trip yet but uh, my wife and I are here and yeah, it's cool. So just been surfing. How old are your kids? 
Uh, two girls, Sienna is 19 and my older daughter, Indy is 24. Gotcha. And um, Indy learned to, Indy really like, Indy's the surfer. Sienna's not, she's more of a horse kid, but um, like Sienna learned how to swim when she was two years old here in Bali in a pool, like right down the road. <laughs> and then cool. Indy got into surfing at Ulu's, like she surfed a little bit and um, we would always go on trips here and she's kind of surfed a tiny bit at home. Like she always surfed, but not much. And then one summer we were here, I think she was 12 and, um, and one of her friends was with her too. And Mikey Wright was here. He was 13 and, um, they ended up surfing a bunch together out here. And like, she just got hooked on surfing at Ula's. It was pretty cool. She was like, dad, it's, it's too gnarly there. I'm like, no, we, we live in Hawaii. It's, it's actually not as gnarly <laughs> here, you know, and she's no, like, no. What are you talking about? Uh, so it's pretty cool. So that's been a, she's kind of, and she comes back here. India will come back here on her own just by herself even and um, take trips here and surf and stuff. It's cool. Super cool. Yeah. Are you going to, are you going to G land? Um, I, I'm not going to, I don't, as far as like the contest, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think there's I don't, a, I don't think there, I don't think I even really can. I don't think, you know, I think it's probably kind of a closed environment and um, I don't know for sure. But the other thing is, I don't really want to go there. It's, it's uh, all the best guys in the world are there. Like you don't really get a great surf in when those guys are out, you know, like, um, and it's kind of a weird spit place to watch. It's super far outside and stuff. I don't know. I can't imagine gotcha. really more for a contest and like sitting around and be kind of strange, I think, gotcha. but I would like to go to G land and surf at some point on this trip. Are you, um, building boards in Bali? Yeah, we have, um, uh, we have a pretty solid business here and I've been doing it. I came here in like the first time I made surfboards here was like, I don't know how many years ago, my friend Pete Matthews from Hawaii had moved down here and, and he met up with this German guy, Basti, who was making, he used to make snowboards and he's like, now I'm making surfboards. Like he, he just switched over. <laughs> it was kind of funny. He moved here and, um, I came and I handshaped like 20 boards and it was, uh, it was a 10 day trip. And he, he invited me down like, Hey, let's see how it goes. And like, he, um, I had to handshape 20 boards. It was the worst shaping experience of my life for sure. Like the, the shaping room was just hideously hot. Like the AC barely worked. It was just miserable. This tiny space didn't even really have a door. You had to like squeak, you had to like crawl through this area to get in there. And, and then, um, the blanks were like the worst blanks of all time, like terrible to shape. And, but I managed to like get through 20 boards on that trip. And, and it was funny. I think about it all the time because now like our, our, like Paisel boards are doing great here in Bali. Like I trip out, I go and paddle out and see my boards are in the lineup everywhere and stuff. And if I hadn't like toughed it out through it. Like I literally wanted to quit shaping during that trip. I was just right. like, this is terrible. Like, what am I doing here? You know? And, and, um, but that set the foundation and Basti kind of saw like, okay, this guy's willing to like push through stuff and make it work, you know? Yeah. So what's, today, what, what's yeah. changed there? Is it just that they have access to, um, better, better raw materials now? Yeah, or it, it seems it like was, there's a whole industry. Yeah, it's really good. It's, it's booming. And there's just so many people and they're, um, what back then it was like, there weren't many people actually building boards here on any kind of a scale. There's probably guys building a few boards here and there or whatever, but as far as actually like doing production and, and taking like a brand 
of some sort. And I mean, I was barely a brand at all then anyways, but um, to, to now where like there's sheep, like I'm all, my first trip was hand shaping. So the next time I'm like, dude, that was miserable. Um, you're going to order blanks from Australia anyways. So let's get them cut. We'll just, we'll order boards that are pre-shaped and they'll ship them here instead of blanks. And I can come finish boards. So we ordered like we did 60 boards or whatever it was the next time that it was like the next year. And, um, and that was like changed for me it made it way easier. I'm building boards that way, but you couldn't do custom boards for people that way. And, um, then now, now fast forward to today where like there's multiple shaping machines, there's, he has Australian foam, Australian resin, you know, everything's just like top quality. Good. Um, really nice, nice factory, big place. He does my boards and he does DHDs. Okay. Um, so that's his, and then he has, he does some like, um, custom labels for like a, a shop called drifter and a few different things like that. It's pretty cool. And the local, the local, um, workers too probably have a decade or two of experience under their belt oh, yeah, they, now, right yeah the boards are beautiful like i had them i didn't make the boards myself i didn't shape them but i had some boards made for me on my way before i got here because i'm like oh, i want to have some boards waiting i brought some boards myself too but um i just picked them up yesterday and like they're beautiful you know like i'm like wow this is insane if this came out of my factory i'd be super happy so it's awesome. pretty cool yeah, and like the shape, everything, like all, all parts of it, not just the like, the, not just the glassing, but like the shape's really good. The guy's been doing my boards here for years, and he's got it really dialed. Good. Do nice. yeah, um, cool. So let's. I want to kick off the conversation with Tyler Wright and allow you to uh, set the record straight with any misconceptions that I might have given to our audience. Uh, what uh, yeah. What are my misconceptions about Tyler Wright? My, my weird little one sentence text I send you every once in a while. It's like, what are you talking about? You're not uh, wrong. I mean, set, it, uh, set me straight. No, no, it's true. It's funny. Uh, it's funny listening to podcasts because even not, not just you guys talking, whatever, whoever. And I, I listen to a lot of surf podcasts because I'm just like a weird surf junkie. I've always been that way. Like I used to buy every surf magazine and I used, you know, I, uh, that's my deal. I like to just like absorb a lot of it. And, um, so it's funny because being kind of a little more on the inside with a lot of that stuff or, or whatever it is, is like, I hear people talking, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's not right. Like that's a little off or whatever, you know, totally. um, not like anything bad usually any, but um, yeah, that thing that I was talking to you about with Tyler the other day, was just that like, like talking about like, Oh, she didn't, she didn't get barreled or she didn't, you know, <laughs> I was like, well, actually she got really barreled and like, Tyler sends it like she is gnarly. Um, like she grew up in the middle of those kids, like between, between Owen and Mikey, like both those guys are gnarly. And, and she was just like right there in them in the mix with them too, you know? And I remember, uh, I remember I read or heard something somewhere where she was saying, she's like, she's like, Owen just told me like, always go for the biggest wave of the set. Don't try to get like the, the, the smaller one because you're safest on the biggest one because there won't be a bigger one behind it, you know? And that's kind of, that's where she comes from. So just Tyler sends it and she's definitely not like, uh, although everybody looking at pipeline, even the best guys, I think are sometimes look out there and go like, wow, this is pretty gnarly out there or whatever. I don't think you could say that Tyler Wright was in any way uh, shying away from like, Hey, I'm out there. If it's on, I'm out there and I'll, I'll do what I can, you know? Well, 
literally think, she pulled this in like big i tried to find a video to send you like she pulled in this gnarly closeout. Like, i got it i found yeah. it yeah i found it it was yeah. so so they've run two let's say one and a portion of the women's events now at pipe the one obviously a year and a half ago where it started in maui got interrupted by the shark uh attack sadly and then they ran i think the semifinals and the finals at pipe and so that I was kind of conflating when I was talking to Scott on spit, conflating that event with the recent event and right. my overall perception of Tyler. And so in that event, though, the first one, you're right. She packed. It was the heat, I think, against Carissa. So it'd be, the, I guess, the final. Yeah. Um, she packed a crazy close out at back door. That was a start. big, solid wave. Like, totally. I would not go on that wave. Totally. Nor would I, for the record. <laughs> but throughout. So and then you know, got a, it, it was a closeout. So she didn't get a meaningful score. So then Carissa though, was uh, trying to get shacked for the rest of the heat. Tyler, having not put a score on the board, yeah, then got did. a wave and did, did turns, got yeah. a score, put the pressure on Carissa, then got another wave that she did turns on, got another score. Carissa, I think only made one marginal barrel, but for the viewer, it's like, it should be a tube riding contest. Carissa's oh. looking for the tube, not making it. Tyler's relying on turns. And to her credit, she's a savvy competitor. She won the heat. She won the first women's event at pipe. Yeah, so sure. that was the impression left with me, the viewer, you right. know, it was like, she went on doing a turn on a wave that wasn't right. that great. Right. Exactly. I agree. I, I would say the same thing. I think that if you asked her, she would probably be like, she's super stoked. She won that event, but not like like she would have way been way happier winning it getting barrel you know what i mean totally. it's not like she's yeah, like yeah. i don't want to get barrel that's that's kind of my thought it was just like hey that's not where she's coming from like oh i'd rather just do turns safety turns on the face and win this thing she would have rather but she was just doing what she could with what was out there i think more the waves know? weren't great yeah yeah and and um even it's that's a tough wave for someone that doesn't get a lot of opportunity to surf it um I used to surf pipeline a lot when I was really young and it's just gnarly. And if you don't put in a lot of time to just get used to what it's like and, and picking out the right waves and all this stuff, I mean, it's pretty difficult to just like jump into it and for anybody and to have it when it's, especially when like, you're not choosing your conditions. Like it's one thing to be like a free surfer and you're like, Oh, pipes firing. I'm going to go out there and like, uh, hopefully I'll luck into a really good wave or whatever. When you're, where you're actually getting sent out there where it's, actually pretty crappy and then you have to try to find a wave and then people are like you didn't even get barreled that didn't count or whatever it's like well i they, she didn't say like i'm stoked on these conditions let's get out right. there it's like they would have loved to be getting barreled i think well chris as well I, every one of them you know that i can yeah, yeah. of the women i would imagine at kind of uh there's a lot of top level pros who would be wanting your boards considering your track record with John and whatever, but I don't see a ton of them on uh, the CT. Are you just discerning about who you work with or how, how exactly do you go through that process? And specifically with Tyler, why work with Tyler? When did you first connect with Tyler and how did that all happen? Well, the I'll, I'll answer the first part first is basically um, for me, my, I started working with John when he was so young, John, John, and then where I couldn't afford or whatever to have a bigger team. No one wanted it. Like people, before people really had faith in my boards or whatever, however you want to put it. 
Um, and so I just really focused on John. And as John got better and better, he's so good that like he's done so much to elevate us. Like he's he's helped me immensely, like unbelievably, right? Sure. Um, and so I always really wanted to focus on him. And like I I feel like almost a debt to him, and and not like anything that it's not like real real that way. But like I'm just very grateful for our relationship and the way that it's helped my my shaping and then like my business and everything and just on a personal level we're really we're good friends it's like he's a he's a great kid and um so for me I always looked at like I don't really understand almost when I see guys with like sponsoring all these different people like there's guys that have like their their team riders are going head to head and heat after heat like to me that's it's too emotional almost I'm like I'm invested in this kid as like a person, as like part of my business, as all this stuff. So to bring in somebody else or, or, or 10 different people and then have them all competing, like I'm all, I want that guy to be the world champ. And I think that's one of the major differences is like that his caliber of surfing allows me to believe like, I'm like, Hey, I've got a good, I've got the best horse in the business. Why would I? try to have five other horses take him down on his way to the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so there's that in that sense. And kind of, I feel the same with Tyler. Like I, I totally do. Like she's incredible. She's a two-time world champ, not on my board. She was riding Matt's boards then. And um, she's super good. I've, and I have another girl, uh, India Robinson riding my boards this year. And she came through for my Australian guys. Like they choose my licensees in Australia will choose their own team riders. You know, they pick them and with, with my blessings or whatever you want to call it. Um, but to me, it's just really been like, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to put, I don't want to help someone else beat my main guys that like, that's the guy I want to win, you know? And the other part of that too, is like, you only have so much energy and time and where you can really focus on people. Um, and I want to be, I don't want to be like, shuffling that off to another shaper or to to you know my, I, I don't have a team manager like I'm the team manager you know <laughs> um and so I'm dealing with everyone directly and I don't have the energy to be making 30 board quivers for five guys or any you know or, or girls or whatever and so to me I've always just like to be more focused on that and it's funny sometimes like um, I'll watch contests and I'm like wow I've only got this one hope you know, to, to yeah, win totally. it, whatever, but, but luckily or not luckily, but just the way it is, is that hope is pretty, is pretty solid, you know? And well, I believe Tyler is really solid too. And so it just feels good. Like that's just my, and, and I have a lot of team riders that are outside of the CT. Right. You know, I make boards for a lot of guys that are really good surfers, but I've purposely kept it away from that. And even with John, I'll stop after that, <laughs> the run on response, but no, um, it's good. I've had like Jack Freestone. I made boards for Jack for like three years on tour and right. he had his, he had his best results. He had his best year ever on my boards and, and did really well. And he's changed direction since then, which is totally fine and, and moved on to something else. Um, but like, I literally asked John like, Hey, what do you think about this? Like, do you, how, how do you feel about me making boards for Jack? And in that case, Jack was Australia. He was based in Australia. It was more of an Australian thing and it's going to help my brand in Australia a lot. Like he's a great surfer. He's like a nice person. So he's a good, like good thing for our company. And John was like, yeah, no problem. Like, that's good. I feel good about that. You know, 
but I've, yeah. I've turned down a lot of opportunities um, to make boards for people. And sometimes they, I don't know, sometimes I'm like, wow, this is pretty radical to say no to these guys, <laughs> but it can feels say, right. It feels can you right. Say any, can you say any of those names? I don't want to, it's not, it's no big deal, but just, and the thing is too, I guess I'll say one last part of it is when I work with people, I want to work with them hundred percent. I don't want to, there's a lot of people that have come to me that aren't like, I want to be on your team necessarily as so much as like, I'd like to get some boards or like, I want to try a ghost. That's like the number one thing that I've heard from people. And to me, I'm like, what's the point of me making you three boards and then, and then what, then you beat John in the semis somewhere or, or in the third round. And, and I, I was a part of that. And then what do I get out of it? Nothing. Cause in the next contest, you're riding somebody else's boards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, more, all your there's more of that. There's way more of that just to be clear of like, let me get some boards from you. than like, Hey, I want to be on your team kind of thing. You know, it's more like they want to feel it out and maybe it might develop into a full on relationship, but I just, I have a hard time going that route. Um, so it make, make, I'm going to ask you to speak for John or give me your impression. Uh, <laughs> because you're right. Your brand is synonymous. Your eggs are all in that basket. Totally. It puts a lot of weight on John actually. And I could see that that weight was on him maybe when he was young, uh, the weight of his family, like he's this prodigy and he has expectations. And so from a very young age, it's like, Hey, you're doing this for us. You're also doing it for the community. Then your brand is involved. So he's really responsible. There's a certain weight for your brand. Now he's got his clothing brand where he's actually employing people. And that's actually he wears it well, like you don't see the burden on him, but I'm just curious. Um, do, do you think that he feels the responsibility of these dozens of dozens of families whose businesses ultimately rely on him at this point? Um, well, I can't speak for him specifically, but like for us, like between he and I, I don't feel like there's ever been like a thing where he feels like, Oh, if I don't, like I've always told John from the beginning that like, Hey, if, if you feel like riding somebody else's boards, is going to help you get to what you want to do. Then don't make it about me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want you to ever look back and be like, God, I shouldn't have stuck with him. I just, that was a big mistake. I could have had five world titles because of this or whatever, you know? Um, and obviously when I say that, I'm hoping that that's not, you know, I told, course, him that, yeah. I told him that I'm like, please let this work out. I'm really stoked on this situation. Um, and just as a person, but, I, but to me, my personal relationship with him is more important than my business with him. Like, so that's just the bottom line is like, Hey, if, if, the, if that was the way you need to go, then you can go that way, please with my, without worrying about it. And so hopefully that is something that he truly like felt and knew and he made his decision based on the boards working for him and like us working together and all that. Um, as far as like his, his other parts of it I can't really say how he feels about that at all but I do know that he's just he's just a really like on it person that likes to get really involved with what he's doing and he's not like he doesn't just take things lightly that he gets involved with if he's actually like it's funny because I think in surfing there's a lot of people that just have a sticker on their board based on the paycheck and 
his stickers on his boards, basically they are, they're connected to paychecks obviously. But I think if you like, for me, what I know is that he is, he thinks about each one of those relationships and like chooses things specifically to that. He's, that he's actually proud to be a part of, you know what I mean? He's not, they paid me more than that guy. So I'll put that color sticker on there. Um, he, he looks at what he's, what he's actually promoting, you know? I just, it's a unique situation because if you think about Kelly, was the marquee athlete back at, for a very long time, obviously. And, yeah. but Al Merrick and Channel Islands had a very diverse portfolio of riders. So if Kelly went away, it wasn't going to necessarily do much to their business. Quicksilver, same thing. Yeah. Even modern examples, Gabriel Medina, you know, he doesn't, those brands aren't reliant necessarily on him continuing to do what he does. But John, John, it's a kind of a unique situation. And I think it's, uh, it is organic in all the ways that you said, and it feels very natural. The partnerships feel natural and they certainly started from friendship probably, but I wonder if he feels any of that weight of like carrying, you know, I'm sure he must to some degree, you know, I just think that he probably, he has a lot of confidence in who he's working with and dealing with too. And like the partnerships, as far as like, like with Florence Marine, like how he's actually the people that work with him doing that stuff and like running it. And he, he's, he's, it's very purposeful. You know, he's very yeah. purposeful in his, 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 um, his choices. It's not right. Just like, let me, I hope this works out. It's like, Hey, I'm going to choose some of the best. I mean, look at Bob Hurley. Like that guy's track record is spotless. You know, <laughs> like you don't, that guy turns stuff to gold and is just a super nice person. And you know, um, all those parts of it that are important and like ethical and, and, you know, not like, there's a lot of kind of slimy characters in the, not a lot, but there's some slimy characters in the surf world and, um, people that are willing to kind of just do what they need to do. And, um, I don't feel like those people are really the people like that. I mean, I know I don't want those kind of people in my life or business and I don't think John does either, you know? Yeah. It's talking about, um, working with one athlete for a long period of time, you might've heard Scott and I brush on this topic over the years. We've kind of identified that the people who win multiple world titles, that is a common denominator. They have decade long relationships with their shapers and the surfers who are kind of right outside of that, uh, winning those world titles tend to change shapers more frequently throughout their career. So Gabriel Medina, long-term relationship with Kabianca, Kelly and Al, of course, Steph and DH, John and yourself. Um, but Mick. I never thought, yeah, Mick, exactly. But I always thought of that as like the surfer uh, uh, getting to know your craft better. I never really thought of it from the way that you kind of described it 10 minutes ago was, you gleaning a lot of you're also honing your craft by working. I'm not with, just like here, make this work. It's like I'm. It's it works both ways for sure. The feedback that you're getting from John is equally. I think as everyone's valuable. probably getting the same kind of. I mean, I don't know what kind of feedback exactly they're getting, but I know that if you're a shaper and you're not listening to your surfers, um, then you probably aren't doing as well as you could with your boards. You know, you want to have. That's kind of half the deal. It's like if you're a if you're an F1 and your driver's telling you the car's not steering right, you don't just go like, well, turn it harder, you know, <laughs> you fix it. But they also don't understand the steering on year one, two, three, or four, as well as they right. do on year eight, nine, and 10, you know? Totally. 
Um, yeah, no, I think, I think there's a lot to it. I think maybe that it's, uh, there's, I mean, there's probably a psychological thing where you're like, have this, you're like, it's a trust thing. Um, like, I mean, John will paddle out in 30 foot waves on a brand new board. They just wax up and go on the biggest set, you know? And that's like, because over his entire life, he's ridden my boards and, and like, Oh, these work. Like, he's not going to throw me like some curveball that's going to be like in this range, you know, or whatever. And then with him for sure is like the feedback that I get from him is he's phenomenal. Like he's, he's, um, he's like, if, if someone, (laughs) if, if he started writing someone else's words, they'd probably just be like, Oh my God, this guy is just like tearing me apart, you know? But for me, that's like, it's not, we're, we're so tuned that like the changes are pretty minimal. And, um, like we're literally, he's like, were the fin angles a little different on that board or, you know, just stuff like we're measuring just crazy little things. And I'm like, yeah. wow, they were, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. or did you use a different kind of blank or just like crazy stuff that you would think like, doesn't matter at all. And then it's like, oh yeah, you were right. Like he'll, he'll ask me about something and I'll, I'll find an old board that he's talking about. Like we're looking at, um, we're looking at, well, he was in Margaret's this year. We were talking on the phone and he's like, he's like, I've been watching the footage from 2019 and that board just looks faster. Like, is it any different than the boards I have today right now? And I'm like, they're all there. Uh, and I open up the files cause I have everything on the computer with all this different stuff. And I found the 2019 board in my stack of boards. It was buckled. And uh, one of my guys that works for me is like, is this what you're talking about? And like, and, um, the, I'm like, Oh yeah, this thing was a, it was a half a liter less foam, same measurements, like same width and length, but a half a liter less, even though I had lied and written (laughs) 29.6 on it. I looked at the file and it was 29 liters because I remember at the time him and Ross were convinced he needed more foam. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm just going with this one, but I'm like in his head, he's like, Oh yeah, there's more foam here. And then it worked. And so I'm like, yeah, these things just have a hair more. He's like, okay, let's make some new ones that are just from that original file, you know, like thin it out for the next ones. And so it's kind of funny, but like he picked that up. That is so astute. Yeah. A half a liter out of, out of 29 liters is pretty, I mean, it's a big deal, but it's just, yeah. Well, um, um, is that kind of stuff. You talk, you talked about everybody wanting a ghost. Um, it's funny. I think there's a fallacy kind of in surfboard marketing or in that everybody wants a ghost because they've seen what John does on the ghost, but probably 0% of people who got the ghost are able to do what John does on the ghost. 0% can do that on any board for sure. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, like no, how, no, for sure. but how but many, here's what I think about boards is that okay. like, obviously like and like people sometimes comment like will that make me surf like john john ha ha you're just like of course not obviously we all know that but what we do like for me my job is just to make whatever level guy it is to surf as good as they can of course that's that's what i'm thinking of doing right so like if a guy can just barely go down the line hopefully i can make him a board that he can start doing a cutback you know or or whatever it is <laughs> if the guy rips but he's kind of like so whatever it is just to have them maximize their level or even hopefully ideally you know raise their level of surfing because they're on a board that works good that's just that's what i focus on and like um the ghost is a funny thing it's one of the first boards 
not the one I don't know about the first, but in, in recent times, I would say that it's probably the only model or design that guys are riding in CTs that really can translate over to somebody that's like not that good at surfing. Like hmm. that board works pretty good in like average waves for an average surfer. It doesn't have to be like barreling giant pumping waves for it to work good for a guy that isn't that good at surfing. Right. Like you don't have to, it's not like it's going to make a guy do some carving super gnarly turn, but it does have this great flotation. It has easy paddling. It's loose enough when you stand on the tail. It's like, has all these characteristics that help regular people surf. And most boards like the CT guys are riding are not going to help you surf better. They're going to, they're going to, unless you're a really good surfer. Yeah. What it's so what elements of the board service both ends of the spectrum? Well, it has lower entry rocker than almost any, like there's no like flip nose flip. It's not thinned out through the nose. So you don't have like this wasted front end that's pushing against you. That's making you almost work harder paddling and doesn't, if, if you're not like going up and doing vertical snaps, having a thinned out narrow nose, isn't going to help you surf better. Having like that fuller thickness through up under your chest and up into the nose and then lower entry rocker it's really helpful paddling wise. Like you're going to catch waves a lot easier. And then it's a little fuller through the nose, which is actually like a little more stable. So if you ride one, like John rides a six O that's his shortboard, and he's taller than his board, you know? So yeah. if you ride a, if, if you're six O and you don't surf that good and you get a six, four ghost, that thing's going to be stable and fun gotcha. and smooth surfing. And, you know, so, so don't, it, so don't take, john's approach of riding one shorter than yourself ride it the well, way that you would normally ride a shortboard depending to on your level you know if you're right if you're above average or really like good surfer then easily and no problem that's going to work great you want to ride something that you can like you know it doesn't have to be bigger than you it could be smaller than you and work good but it's just like our boards in general like the majority of guys buying a board of any brand aren't like top surfers or even right advanced surfers probably they're probably most most people are kind of like middle of the road i would say you know for for my company in particular at least i would think um just based on like what kind of boards we make and all that so the boards are simple they're not like overly tuned in one direction or the other they're like they're like user-friendly really i would describe the ghost as real user-friendly um for so many years surfers and shapers worked to design specific boards for specific venues. Um, How have you guys locked into a board design and size that John rides at pipe and Margaret's and beach breaks and sunset and everything. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, he's crazy. He's just a super freak. Like that's the only guy that does that. I think, I I don't know, but he, he, um, he really is a person that kind of likes to, eliminate variables in situations and like kind of keep things consistent. Like, like he kind of like pretty much like eats the same thing for breakfast every day. (laughs) You know, he's like, he's like one of those guys, he's, he's like a weird little genius with his stuff. And um, so for him, we've always done things like he was riding the shadow for a long time too, which was based off the ghost rocker. It was like a, a more high performance outline version of that, which is a really good board too. Um, And he just, he was stoked on that. It worked great for him, but he's like, I just want to get it down where like, I just have this one design for the whole year for everything. 
And so he's just tuned it closer and closer and closer to that. We, we've worked on it to get it where it's more just different dimensions. So it's like, oh, there's a shorter, wider, thicker version of that. They're not okay. all the same. You know, it's not like he's just like, this is the 160 and the 162. There's, there's different tweaks on that as far as dimensions and volume and stuff. He'll say like, let me get a, a 60 that's like 31 liters and with a little tiny bit wider tail. And that'll be like for smaller waves. Um, gotcha. And I change little nuances in the bottom for him and just little, I mean, I tune little things that make it work better in those conditions. It's tricky for me because for like, I've watched him in heats before. I remember specifically this heat in, um, it was in France against Keanu Asing and these little lefts, um, probably 2016 or seven, maybe even before that, 15 maybe. And, and I, I see him paddle out. And it was like kind of these weak shoulder high lefts and Keanu sings a pretty small little guy. So it was bigger for him basically. <laughs> and then John, John's riding a board and I, and I'm like, dude, I made him other boards for small, like he should have switched boards. Like I had other boards for him for those conditions that I feel like maybe would have worked better, but he's just stuck to his thing. He's like, I started the contest on this board. I'm, I'm riding it all the way through kind of thing. And he lost. And I was just like, Oh, I was losing it. You know, I'm just like, dude, what? there's a board in your board bag that you could have won that heat on, I think, you know, but yeah. that's just the way he was at that time, you know? And so now does, we've tried to kind of eliminate that problem. Does Tyler ride a wider range of designs? Tyler does. Tyler rides. Um, she tends to, she's funny. She tends to um, like, she wrote this board. I have a board called the radius, which is like, it's the board that J, um, when Jordy picked my board for uh, yeah. the stab thing, stab in the dark, he, uh, he loved that board. And like it actually, that board had the same rocker was the board that Dane Reynolds loved, but it was a different, that Dane one was a hand shape, but with the same rocker in it. And then the Jordy one, and it's called the radius and Tyler loves that board. And it has a lot of rocker for me, for my boards, it has a ton of rocker through the whole bottom. And, um, so it's not like a groveler board, but she, I remember she wrote it at Manly, like, like waist high Manly and was just ripping on it. I'm like, that board's not meant for that. But like you learn as a shaper, like, Hey, these, there's no rules, right? It's yeah. like, Hey, this board is supposed to do this. This is my theory. And then a surfer can take it and do something completely different with it. So you have to kind of be like, instead of like, no, that's not a good thing. You're just like, well, if that feels good to you, then go with it, you know? Totally. But she, um, the way that Tyler even came to, uh, came to me, the way that we ended up working together was, um, when she came back from being sick for so long and she was basically like kind of transformed, you know, she almost was like, like talking with her about it. Um, not like I haven't gotten deep into like the psychological stuff about it, but like physically she lost, like, I think like 40 pounds or something wow. like a lot. And she's a small person, you know, she's not a big person at all. And, um, she lost a lot of weight. I can't, she told me in kilos, I forget what it was, but right, I, think right, it was right. I think it was like at least like 25 pounds or something. It was significant. Right. And so she was having kind of trouble on the boards that she had been riding. They didn't work for her because they were made for her other body and her other physicality, you know, that was different at the time. And, um, and so I just, she, I'd, I've known the fan, the Wright family for years. I actually met him. Like I was talking about Mikey 
being here in Ulu's when he was like 13, it was like, I met they, that family used to always come here every summer and just mm-hmm. hang out and surf here. They're really like, um, like Owen, Tyler and Kirby, her sister and Mikey. And, um, and they have an older brother too. I forget his name, but, and the whole family would be here. So I met, I've known him for a long time. And so it wasn't like some random, like, Oh, this, Hey, nice to meet you. It was like this kid I'd known, you know, Tyler. Sure. And, and um, she just asked to try a few boards and um, micro, micro hall kind of yep. reached out to me too. And they're like, yeah, can we just try a few boards? Like she just has like some, she's just not sure about boards. She's trying other, she was trying JS's. She's trying, like, cause for me, like I'm, I'm friends with Matt Biolas and yeah. I try to, I try to stay. Um, oh, I don't like to poach. I try not to step on people's toes. Cause I feel it personally, like it's a personal thing. You know, it's like, no matter what anybody says, if, if you are making boards for someone and someone else makes boards for them, you feel it's a little weird. It's like, it's like your wife going out on a date with another guy or something, you know, you just don't, you got a relationship. You want to keep it good. But, um, so I just kind of, I'm like, well, what do you think? You know, you, if you talk to Matt and like, he's cool with it, I'll make you, cause she was like, I just don't know what I'm going to do or whatever. So we just had some communication where I felt like, I still felt a little strange, but I felt okay. Like, about trying it out and making some boards. And I made her, so I made her four boards. I made her like one of, I I made her a ghost. I made her a shadow. I made her a radius and I made her something else. I can't even remember, but, um, and I didn't even put any logos on them. Like I just left them. I just signed them. I didn't, I'm like, I'm not going to, let's just see how this goes. Whatever. I don't want to be like, you're writing my boards, whatever. And so those boards, she wrote them, she was in Hawaii. She picked up some boards and she just clicked with them really well. She really loved them. Like I walked down to VLAN one day and she was out surfing and, and Glenn was on the beach watching her. And he's like, he like ran up to me. He's like, mate, she's loving them. Like he was so excited. It was pretty cool. It was a neat moment for me. Um, yeah. Cause I've always loved her surfing. Like I really, I I'm a, I'm a Tyler fan, regardless of what board she's on. She's such a good surfer and a super nice person. Well, so that's, that's an example of somebody who is writing something else. They mixed it up and saw the benefits. Do you think that John would benefit from writing other shapers boards and mixing it up every once in a while? He's, he's tried a few boards from other people. Like there's been times it's hasn't been for a long, long time, but he's had different, obviously I've, <laughs> I've fended off a lot of, not, I haven't fended it off, but there's been a lot of hostile takeover attempts. And, um, and so he's tried boards. But he's, he, it's funny, his personality and the way he is almost like keeps him from doing that. Like, he's just like, not, he's just like, I want to get this tuned in. I'd rather, he's like, I, he would, he'd rather take something and like refine it, refine it, refine it, refine it. than just like, oh, scrap that. Let's just jump over to here. But that said, so, so I don't know. I, I think, I think it's, it wouldn't be like some terrible thing from other boards, but I just don't know that he would like them because the boards he's writing are so tuned to him right now. That said, we do do things where I like, we didn't do it this year, but in previous starting, like before this tour starts, there's like a two month, the old schedule was like, there'd be a two month break between pipeline and whatever, two and a half months. And so what I would do then is just go, I would make him like four or five boards that were just completely unique that he, to him, and even to me, like I'd take, I might take like a model and 
mess around with it or I might make just brand new short boards, just different stuff and make like five, make one of each and just go here, try these, see if something suits you. If there's something that sticks out to you. And, and so those have hap- those have been things that he has liked, or there's things he's just like, Oh, like he'll take five boards and like two of them are just like, no. Right. And then the other two are like, yeah, these ones were like, so, so I think we could do it. And then one would be like, this one was pretty good. Let's, let's go down this route and see what we can do. So even though those are still my boards, they are more like, he's kind of trying something fresh in a way, you know, because yeah. even for myself, I'm going somewhere new, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So I try to keep it. I just want to make sure he's always like fired up on what he's writing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the reality is, um, I don't know that any other shaper could really provide him with anything that you can't like if he did have some, he's checking out other boards, I would imagine. And if he had some idea oh, sure. that he wanted to implement, you can implement it for him. Totally. Like I remember in Japan, he was like, when he went to the, the Olympics and it was just like going to be, the forecast was just miserable, whatever it was so small. And then he was kind of looking at some other boards and he's like, well, oh, I like this like wider tail block of this or whatever. You know, there's little things that he, or like, it doesn't have a hip right here. It's a little straighter, just little details. Um, and he's very, he sees stuff. He's not like, he, he's very like in tune with seeing when he looks at a board, he knows what he's looking at. Um, yeah. so he, he'll come back with like little, little things of like, what if we tried this or, yeah. and I'm always like, sure, let's do it. You know, let's, let's make it. Realwatersports.com is our retail partner here today. They really have gone a long way to making this show possible and investing in our work here. So we're thrilled to have them as a partner. And I love when synergy happens organically. And uh, the way that that plays out today is that they are a fantastic retailer for Pizel. I just went to their website right now, typed in the word Pizel. 176 surfboards are available from Pizel. So whatever you might want from Pizel, I would reckon that it is available right now on realwatersports.com, regardless of your uh, required dimensions. But let's just take a look. So they have um, shadows, they have gremlins, they have phantoms, they have ghosts, they have the radius model, they have the Padillac model, the big paddle gun, multiple construction types available, again, multiple sizes. They have a number of Grom boards too, which is really cool. You don't see a ton of those um, around in surf shops, but they have the Grom ghost and the Grom phantom and incredibly reasonable prices as well at Real Water Sports. And then the cool thing is, oh, by the way, their mid-length, John's mid-length is called the mid-length crisis. That's funny. I've never seen that before. Um, The cool thing about Real Water Sports is that they're located in North Carolina, but they've cracked the code on shipping. So they do single flat rate shipping. It's a low rate, no matter where you are in the world. So I've talked in the past, they've um, got stories of shipping boards to people on boat trips in Indonesia. And then, of course, we have listeners who... um, have had boards shipped directly to their door as well. So, and by the way, everything, the shipping comes with a guarantee. Uh, so the board will show up 100% blemish free at your door. So you can purchase with confidence and uh, the customer service at Real Water Sports is second to none. So they'll get you into the board you want and they will ensure that it shows up at your house blemish free. And again, you just can't beat 
their inventory selection, and then they have all the gear that comes with it. Whether you need board bags, traction, leashes, you get 15% off all that stuff if you purchase a surfboard, and that discount's automatically taken in your shopping cart. So go check out their Pizel selection, and a huge thank you to Real Water Sports. Such a great resource to have for our listeners. So we appreciate you and your support, and uh, yeah, enjoy that. Realwatersports.com. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. A couple of questions just about you personally and your business. Um, It seems like the growth of your brand has actually been really measured and maybe even slow growth. Um, Was that by design or what's your policy on that? 
Um, I've always, I'm a, not a good businessman. First of all, okay. <laughs> so let's just speak perfectly clear. My wife is really smart and she, if she doesn't know about something, she'll learn about it. Like she's gnarly. Like she has her teaching credentials. She got her private, uh, like, um, commercial pilot's license. She's a, wow. she's in acupuncture school right now. Like, and she's helped run our whole business for the entire time from wow. day one, basically. And she no longer works entirely. Like she's pulled herself away from our business. We have somebody, Dan McNamara, that runs our whole global thing from California, from San Clemente, actually. And where our headquarters is in Oceanside, like our California headquarters. So um, she, Dally, has been uh, like super important for the whole business to grow. And like her her thinking is a lot. We're, we kind of have opposite ways of thinking. I'm like the creative guy and she's like the the numbers and the, she's looking at spreadsheets in the other room right now. I'm not even kidding. Um, but so in the beginning, I would say it was just like, Hey, I just, I just love what I do. And I wanted to make surfboards. Once I started making surfboards, I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. But it was like, we can't survive on this. So she was working, she would bartend and she started teaching and she's always had these jobs that brought in money until our business actually grew enough that it could support her with a salary, you know? And, um, but basically this short answer is yes, we've just done it organically. We have never, we own the business ourselves. Um, we have never taken like investment money or anything like that. So we're not like, we don't have any, like, um, there's no one like looking over our backs going like, why isn't, why aren't the numbers going up or why isn't this happening or whatever. So we could always just be comfortable with what we're doing. We're totally self-funded. We put, all the money that we make back into the business, pretty much like we, we get paid a salary and stuff, but like it all goes, we just put the money back into the business to grow it. And it's, it's grown a lot. And obviously COVID, I think most people know that COVID pretty much like threw gasoline on the surfboard fire and just went like it, it, it was crazy. Like it was just, it went pretty nuts. Um, but now it's kind of slowing down. Sure. Um, but it definitely has been like, Hey, let's just, let's just do this organically. We don't need to be the biggest. I don't, I want to go surfing every day and like do other things. I'm not like worried about like, like I have a plywood sign on the side of my building in Hawaii. You know what I mean? Like that someone yeah. painted, I don't have like some neon or picture box painting. You know, I just, we don't, we don't, I try not to like waste money and just like spend on stuff to like look bigger and better or whatever, and just kind of make it work. It's a family business basically. And, so uh, what is, what is the factory in Hawaii? Do you have your own lamination shop? How many employees I do, now. do you we have? Actually, yeah, we have, it's pretty cool. We have, we have the space in the sugar mill in Wailua, which is like the only industrial area, um, uh, industrial buildings on the North shore. And it's just this rad, like, it looks like a movie set of, of like a surfboard company. Like if you're like, let's build this, you just like, here it is. It's like, <laughs> um, it's just dirty and old and, and these big awesome. buildings. And we got into that. So we have, I built, um, I built out the space. We had a two-story space and just added shaping rooms. We just had to put in some walls basically. And so I have two shaping rooms. I have my, my head shaper guy that helps me there and me. And we have a, um, we have our own shaping machine in-house there in the building. And then we also have a, um, like offices, a couple, there's an office upstairs. I just built myself my first office I've ever had in my whole life, built it wow. and 
drywalled it and painted it myself. That's the kind of like weird guy I am. I'm like, I don't need to pay someone to do this. Like I can do this, you know? Um, and then we have downstairs, we have about a, it's probably 800 square foot retail space. So we have like, it's packed with 250 stock boards right now. And wow. it, we call it Pizel Surf Supply. And it's like, you can, the whole theory with it was like, it doesn't have a bunch of extra shit. It's just like, you can walk in there and you could get everything you need and get in your car and go down to the beach and go surfing with, you could walk in there with nothing and you could walk as long as you had a pair of trunks on. We even have a couple pairs of Florence trunks now, but, um, <laughs> but we have like fins, leashes, pads, wax, surfboards. That's it. It's all you need yeah. in Hawaii. You know, we don't have wetsuits, yeah. but, um, but it's a huge thing. So for us, that's been awesome where we have, a retail space where people can come in and like walk out with a board. Some people will come there sometimes to like order a custom board and then they end up walking out with like, they order the custom, but they're like, well, this looks really good too. I'll take that or whatever. Or yeah. they come in there with their, their partner and their partner ends up going out with a board too. Or whatever. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so we have that. So that's, that's like the Hawaii headquarters. And then right next door, I just built last year, we built, uh, we've always, We've always sent out all our glassing. I have two, two guys, two um, glass shops that I work with there. One's called Monsta and one's called Third Stone and they do all of our glassing. But last year, there's a space that kind of came up right next door to our building that was just, it was just like a slab of cement and a, like a carport roof basically. Mm-hmm. And so I rented that and then built walls around it all. So we made a lamin- we made a glass shop for ourselves, but it's, um, it's not very big. Like it's a, I think we have 10 racks on the floor, which is pretty small for like, it's not like some giant production thing, but, um, but we can do epoxies in there. We do a lot of epoxy and then I do like all my team boards. So I can, I can shape a board in the day and like give it to somebody the next day. You know, I'm like, Hey, I need Got you it. to do these five boards. John Nunn's leaving or, or whoever it is, Nathan, Nathan's going to chase some swell in Tasmania or, you know, whatever's happening. Um, we can just push stuff through there really quick, which is nice. And then when we don't have team stuff to do or whatever, I can just, we feed them stock boards and anything else, which is, it's really cool. And, and like, I have a couple of good guys that I know that um, friends of mine that are working in there for me. Got it. Pretty sick. So, and then where do you build boards around the world? Otherwise, well, the other, our actually main, our main thing for America is in Oceanside. And I think the first time we ever talked was years and years ago was in Oceanside. Yep. And that we, we did, we talked, I think in the Arctic factory maybe or something. Right. So we have at that time, we had a little tiny place there, but now we have, we have like three warehouse spaces and a retail store there too. Um, But it's further down the road, but it's in that neighborhood, but a little bit down the road there. And that's where we build the majority of our boards for all of like for America. Um, Got it. And we have, it's pretty cool because we have one glass shop that we work with only. And it was this guy, his name's DJ Kane and, um, and actually MB Michael Barron. Yep. He, um, DJ is my head shaper over there and has been for like, I don't know how many years, a long, long time, but it started out <laughs> the head shaper job was like, can you do these five boards this week? You know, like there's just like a yep. little trickle of like starting it going. And, um, it's pretty cool because from that he was, he's doing boards, he's shaping boards for me. And then like, it got a little more busy and actually MB started helping too, because his business kind of changed a little bit. And, um, 
And then they decided they're like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, um, I was sending boards out to get glass other places there. And they're like, we're going to build, we're going to buy a glass shop. Like there's this glass shop coming up for sale. We're going to buy it. And like, do you think you could give us some work? And I was already kind of committed to this other situation. And so I'm like, look, I can't like just pull the plug on these other guys, but like, I'll start trickling you like our customs. Like we'll put our stock through this other thing. I'll, I'll trickle you customs and see how it goes. And, and just, I can't promise you anything, but like, I'll do what I can. And um, it, at this point, it worked out really good where those guys do a hundred percent of our glassing. Now their glass shop has gotten like three times bigger. They, we, we pay them. I love it. Like we write giant checks to those guys every week, but it's so cool because it's like DJ started out just helping me out a little bit. And now he's like, he's like running this giant glass shop and he's shaping and, and MB and they're all, it's just like, it's cool because it's not like we all got to, we all got lifted up by like my yeah. business getting better. You know, it, it's, it's pretty sick. Like that's amazing. They were saying, yeah. DJ's like, when we started this, I remember thinking like, if we could just do 30 boards a month, we'll be great. And he's like, now we're doing 30 boards or more a day. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's pretty gnarly. That's amazing. So, yeah. Congrats pretty, to them. Uh, it's, it's so cool. And it's neat because um, I know the quality will be incredible. I know like everything that's coming out of there is so good. Like DJ himself can build a board from start to finish. MB is like one of the legends of the industry. Of like these two guys together that own it and watch over it all are just all time. And so I don't even ever have any worries about what's going on there. Like, I just know that we're like building the best boards we can. It's, it's really cool. So it feels and that's, good. That's really where my questioning was going is um, we talk about a lot of different business models that exist in the surf world and also try to maintain a certain level of conscientiousness about environmentalism, like not shipping boards around the world. And, Absolutely. but, the, but the problem with building boards in a lot of different locations is managing the quality, but it sounds like that's a decade long relationship. The one in Bali is decades long and everywhere. Like, it, so that, that, that is the other part of your, I mean, your first question about like, where do you build boards is we do build boards all around the world, which is really cool. And it's developed through the same thing. Like the same way, I, the Bali thing is like in most places that are, my boards are being built it kind of developed from me going there and shaping and then they're doing the boards. And now they're just, it's turned into like licensing things where they're building them without me there. Right. And um, so we're doing boards. Like I went, I went to Portugal twice a year for like 15 years and shaped. It was crazy. Like, I think I figured out, I spent like almost two years living in Portugal over the amount of time, <laughs> like if you, all the times I've been there or like a year and a half, something crazy. But so we're building boards in Portugal and in France for our Europe, Thing. And then we have in, in the UK, we have another licensee, a separate one. So those are the three people covering that continent. And then we build boards in Japan. We used to, we used to build all the boards for Japan in Hawaii and then ship them to Japan, but it got too busy in the last couple of years. So we've shifted that model away from that where we, and they, my Japanese guys have got their own shaping machine. They have a good shaper they're working with. So they're, they're building the boards in Japan instead, which is nice. We were actually providing them shape blanks before we'd ship them shape blanks and then they'd glass them there anyways, because Japan has this really high standard of glassing that somehow we can't even, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting little thing. Any, any shaper will tell you it's kind of crazy, but, um, and then we're doing boards in, in Bali, Peru, uh, Brazil, 
South Africa, and that's it, I guess. Amazing. But basically every continent, it's pretty crazy. So we're not shipping boards anywhere except for like little things where we ship stuff. And it's nice to just like, we're giving like guys in those countries jobs. Yeah. Like everybody is get, get, we're creating these little mini micro, you know, cosm of, of work and environment for people to work in, which is pretty cool of like craftsmen that are get to do work. It's awesome. Um, so you talk about last year or through COVID, everything really exploded. Business was at an all time high. We're starting to see things slow down now. Yeah. Are those businesses structured in such a way that they can make that adjustment downward or is there overhead that you got to maintain? Um, I, I think it's, it's up to each person, right? Each guy running their business. And I think that most, most everybody that I work with and work with now, I've been working with pre COVID. We did make a switch in Brazil and we've added in France and in Europe, but, um, but in general, it's people that I've been working with before this giant boom. So I would think that ideally they can go shrink back down a little bit. Okay. I don't know for sure. I know like, for example, with DJ, like in just in, in Oceanside, those guys are doing all of our boards every week, but they can all, they're turning down work from other shapers all the time. So like if they need to, if they want to keep it at that level and somehow, and I'm slowing down, they could bring in stuff from the outside, I would think. Um, I think everybody is going to slow down equally. So it's yeah. hard to say how that kind of demand will go. But, um, but I'm, I think like even in Hawaii, we're like, okay, we're, we don't need as many people working in the shop right now. Like things are, it's been a pretty significant thing. So I would think that everybody's going to get pretty affected by it, but hopefully have it structured well to make it work for them. You know? Um, it sounds it's, like because of the slow growth that we talked about, um, you've kept a real kind of tight belt on the business. Is there a way for you to improve the business at this point with a little bit of hindsight and now a little bit of just the, I'd say the biggest thing is like, it's all about overhead in that business. Like the margins it's, I see people like talking about how, how expensive surfboards are and just like, they feel like they're getting ripped off and that we're just killing it and all this stuff. And it's so frustrating to me because I feel like, I get it. I would look at that from the outside too and be like, a surfboard's 900 or 800 bucks or whatever it is. You know, it seems like a lot, but it's like, God, if you look at, I think Stab has been doing some pretty good articles on it recently. Fantastic. I, I, yeah, I encouraged him to do that. And I'm like, you guys didn't even talk to me about this, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome. Want to bother you. It's not awesome, but it's like, I want people to understand like those things are handmade. Every surfboard, I mean, you've talked to a million shapers through your podcast. Yeah. And, everyone says the same thing. It's like, dude, what else, what other handmade things do you get? And then you're like, this is so expensive. And then you're like, well, time travel back 10 years. And it's like almost the same price as it is today. <laughs> you know, like, I know. It's insane. And, and the cost to build stuff is just skyrocketing. So for me, I can't help. I can't change like how much resin costs. I can't change any of that stuff. All I can do is like, try to keep our overhead down. Um, try not to waste money on stuff that we don't need. Try not, you know, just, just, it's almost like it's easy to forget the little things, but I try to kind of focus on that sometimes where maybe I sound like crazy to people too. They're like, you really care about that 50 bucks? Like we sold this many surfboards this year, whatever, but it's like every 50 bucks counts, you know? So I just try to keep a, an eye on like the small things. And, and my wife's really good at that. Like I said, she's really good at like 
hey, let's go through like our, our P&L and see where we've, what's happening and where we're spending yeah. stuff. And why was this this much? And, you know, um, so we try to keep track of that stuff and keep it down as much as possible well, and just be you smart. Started, you started by saying you're not a very good businessman, but I think you've become a good businessman. That meant that's an old mentality that you're holding on to. Yeah, maybe I've, I, well, I've definitely learned a lot along the way. I started off like Dally, my wife will be like, you didn't even like, you haven't even written a check in 20 years. You know, <laughs> like she's like, yeah. you don't even pay the bills. And like, we have a funny quote where one day I, it was, she misquotes me on it or, or misunderstood it. But I said, don't taxes just do themselves. And she's just like, what is wrong with you? You know? And I meant like, no, like the money gets taken out of your paycheck or whatever. You know? She's just like, oh yeah, taxes just do themselves, honey. Just right. Great. It's the one thing that doesn't do itself and yeah, get totally. screwed if you don't do it. Exactly. But um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I've learned, my wife's taught me a lot. I've learned a lot just through like dealing with stuff. I'm good at, I feel like I have a strength of just kind of like knowledge of the business in general and kind of like how it goes. And I just, um, and I have smart people working for me, like not beyond my wife, like our, our guy, Dan is really smart in a lot of ways. Like he's, he can, um, he just really knows how to like, look at the big picture of stuff, yeah. which is nice. Cause I'm more of like a day to day. Like I kind of live in the moment more than that. And, um, don't worry too much about that. I would say, but yeah, I'm, I'm learning. It's a long process. I'm 53. <laughs> yeah. I, I know taxes don't do themselves now. And good, yeah. good, good. That's a big one. Um, yeah. one thing I'll say is one thing I wanted to just say about, um, cause I'm really experiencing it right now is it's so funny because the whole world of surfing of surfboards was just booming two years ago, you know, two years of like, we had every month was the biggest month of the year for like a year straight. Like you're like, and next month it was bigger. I can't believe it. And then it's finally like starting to go down or at least, at least leveling out, or I had to say it's probably starting to drop. And then here so at the whole time in bali bali was just shut down completely right these guys were like they had nothing to do there's no tur- there's not any surfers you know you you've seen that like sure like chloe Handino and kelly slater came here or whatever but like there weren't people here like the way it is normally and so they were just dead with like the factory was shut down basically and now it's so funny coming here it's open they're just i just had a meeting yesterday with basti who does my board series like He's like, it's crazy. We can't make boards fast enough. Like, it's like the opposite is going on here. Good. It's so bizarre. But, but it's neat them. to see because it's like, okay, you guys are back. Like, all the restaurants are opening back up. And yeah. all these people that I've known that are like, oh, we barely made it through, but like, we still have our business and we kept our, our employees on salary and tried to, you know, just make sure everyone's good. And it's neat to see here where, people are all of a sudden like they're experiencing kind of what we experienced two years ago. All of a sudden they're like, it's boom down. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And if they could survive that, I mean, what a learning experience for the business. I feel like you'll never run fat again. You'll just always keep a tight belt. Um, How often do you ride other shaper surfboards? I, I, um, I'm not like opposed to it by any means, but I tend to just, I can't even remember the last board I rode that was somebody else's. Like I've ridden, I've ridden Timmy's. Um, I've ridden like Tacoros. I've ridden, I've ridden t- a lot of different guys. I mean, just kind of popping off the top of my head, but I haven't ridden a different shapers board in a long time. And it's only because 
I like to make myself bored so much. And like, especially now we have this glass shop where I'm like, oh, cool. I can just shape this and hand it out in a couple of days. I got a new board, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I make myself a lot of boards and I tend to like switch them around. I just want to try different things and whatever. So I kind of, I don't, I don't necessarily ride that many other guys boards, but it's not because I like don't believe in it or something like that. You know, I admire, there- I love, I'm a shaper fan. Like I love, I love all these guys. Like it's pretty rad. If you could order a board, if you can get a board from anybody on the planet, what do you think you would order? I think I'd love to have, it's, I, I've thought of this a lot, but I think one of my favorite boards would be, I'd love to get a board off Simon Anderson Yeah. and like get kind of like a, not necessarily maybe like his original thruster. Cause that thing was just so like, but, but some kind of like version of that, something in there that's just kind of, I don't know. I think that'd be pretty cool. Just a great pick. I, yeah. I mean, he's like, he had such a huge, I mean, every day he has such a huge um, influence over what we're riding. It's pretty crazy. And then he's a cool guy. I like Simon a lot. And uh, I met him at Uluwatu. Like it's funny down no here. Way. Yeah. First time I ever met him, he's just sitting there. Like he's very stoic. Yeah. He's just sitting kind of off. Like we all hang out at this one we're wrong down by where you can see the surf. And like, it's like, you leave your board down there the whole time you're here. You start a tab when you get here. Yeah. And like pay it when you leave, you know, like literally your daily, it's like write down what you ate and what you drank every day yourself. And at the end of the trip, like add it all up. And, um, Simon hangs out at that same wrong. And that's like where I met the rights and stuff too. It's funny, but, uh, he was just so stoic and I was kind of like scared to say hi to him, you know, and finally like went up and introduced myself and he's just, he's so cool. He's, he's awesome. Did he know who you were? Um, probably not. <laughs> I don't even remember really, to be honest, but, um, we ended up meeting another time later at, at my, um, at DJ and, and MB's factory in California when they were doing, cause, uh, MB was doing Simon Anderson. He was doing all the Quicksilver boards, you know? So he's doing Simon's boards for him in California. So I met him again there and he's like, oh yeah, you know, but, um, now I'm, wherever I see him, you know, it's, there's a, there's a cool little like fraternity of shapers around the world that, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Like, I don't know. I, I'm, I always like, I feel like I'm like the, maybe not like the young guy necessarily, but like the, the newer member of the group or something, you know, and yeah. um, I'm pretty proud to be one of those guys. <laughs> it's pretty sick. Well, I don't, you won't remember this at all, but I actually met you in Portugal probably nine years ago. It was the first oh, time cool. I ever met you. Yeah. It was at that factory. Is it, yeah, is the factory pollen? Yeah. In Hush guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, you must've been working there at the time, but I just dropped in to like grab something oh, and I, I recognized you and the guy that I was talking with there introduced me to you and you were good news. You were very, very cordial and pleasant. <laughs> You're all like, guy's not putting on an act. No, he wasn't. You weren't. Um, and I, yeah, I was just like, Oh, Hey, good to meet you or whatever. And was on my way. But I did appreciate, yeah, I did appreciate that you were, because you were definitely on the rise then. Like John John was already certainly famous. I don't think he was on tour yet, but he was certainly famous. So I know it's funny. That's so cool. That place is rad too. Like you spent some time over there then. A little bit. Or is that one of your, was that one of your few trips there? Or you've been there a few times or? A few times. Yeah. Such a great country. I love it there. Like, I, I mean, those guys, the guy that probably introduced you to me, Alvaro is like, they're like family to me. Like they're just so rad and obvious. Like I literally would spend a month, a year living with them. So it was, they are kind of family-ish, but um, 
that place was gnarly. I'd go there and just like power 120 boards in like a week and just Crazy. like, it was brutal. So I'd just be like, and I'd have to talk to customers in between stuff. Cause they're like, come in and meet him and, and let's custom order every board. And I'm just like, I got to get back in. My fingers would literally be like, I'd tape them up because they're bleeding almost like, just like, like you just raw fingertips. It was, it was pretty awesome. That's but those guys are, those guys are really special. Yeah. yeah. Um, do your daughters have any interest in getting involved in the business? No, I've never even thought of that. <laughs> um, my youngest daughter is like full on horses. She lives in Colorado with her, like in the same town where her grandpa lives and is a horse trainer. She's 19. She moved, she actually moved out when she was 17 because she was over there for the summer to work. And then she's like, I'm going to move back here after my last year of high school. Anyways, like, why am I coming home? It's COVID. I'm going to go look at a computer for school. Like, can I just stay here? And, um, so she, she trains horses. She lives in a barn dominium, which is like uh, this giant barn, but it has a two bedroom house built inside of it. So you walk out of her door of her house and there's like tractors and stuff in the, in the wow. other part of the barn. And then next door is this huge arena an indoor arena. And she has, uh, she's in charge of like eight or nine horses there. And she trains people come and she trains their horses and trains them on riding and all this stuff. So she has no surfboard interest whatsoever. She surfs occasionally, um, yeah. but no. And then my other daughter, my older daughter, Indy is 24 and she has her own highly successful bikini business already. And so she's like, she probably makes more money than me. <laughs> she's doing great. She doesn't want to, she doesn't want to get all dusty and dirty and um, she's doing fine. So, Good. but they've always, they love like, they like they'll come in and they they love the business and the family business part of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, but sure. No, like it is kind of sad. I'm like, what if I had taught one of my kids to shape, you know? Yeah, they just never uh, really that part. They have they have their own passions. It sounds like so yeah. good for oh. them. Yeah. Um, what surf media are you following nowadays? I it's well, like I said, I used to like buy all the magazines. I used to like, you know, I remember we were so poor my wife would like, we had subscriptions. I'd have subscriptions like surfing or surfer both, but like they always got into the newsstands. Like they'd get into the grocery store before they came in the mail. So I would just buy it. And she's just like, we can't afford that magazine. What are you doing? It's like, it was five bucks. She's like we're, <laughs> we're broke. What are you? She's all, you're going to get it in a week. I'm like, that's too long. That's um, funny. But uh, I love, like, I love surfers journal to read, but what I, I think basically every day I look at I look at stab and I look at beach grit. Those are like all my favorites and, and which are very like polar, not polar opposites, but definitely some just opposite, opposite views. Um, beach grits more like just kind of gives me a laugh and some entertainment, but there's always like in all that laugh and making fun, there's a little truth somewhere, you know? Yeah. Often stretched truth, but, <laughs> but, um, I, and those guys are smart, like, like Chaz and, and Derek are pretty intelligent guys that have been around a lot of stuff. So I like to see their perspective on things. I'm slightly cynical um, about the surf world itself. I find myself like um, I'm not like all in on pro surfing and I'm not all in on like the WSL is the best. Like, um, but at the same time, when you see the opposite and I'm like, the WSL sucks, it's the worst. I'm like, well, you don't have to watch it and you don't have to deal with it if you don't want to. And like, somebody's just paying for you to be able to watch it, which is pretty cool. And 
sure there's, I, I mean, I see a million things that could be changed or fixed or whatever. And that seems like common sense that you'd be like, oh, of course you're going to do it this way. And then, and then they're like, we go that way <laughs> right. a lot. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I, you know, what I think, I know you guys love talking about the WSL, like you and Chaz, I think I heard you just the other day say like, we almost went a whole podcast without bringing it up or something. But, um, I think one of the important things or not important, but something to keep in mind is like, there's things that seem not to make any sense, but then there, they do have like a solid reason behind them some other way. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, why are they doing this? And then you realize like, you don't have all the whole, you don't have all the pieces of the puzzle. And then there's like this one piece and you're like, Oh, now that, now that does make perfect sense. They're doing it that way. Like I get it or whatever, you know, I, I don't know. So I try not yeah. to, I try not to judge them too harshly, but at yeah. the same time, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you people sometimes, you know? Totally. Um, but then I go, Oh, I can just click on this and watch it for free. And it's got a great quality production and it's, you know, yeah, I think I read, or somebody said somewhere, maybe it was you guys, somebody, but like that they had nine hours of surfing to get rid of four people. Right. I talk about that all the time. That's uh, not, I talk. That's insane, right? Well, that's they run t- it's two days of competition is what it is. Yeah. So it's more than nine hours to get yeah. rid of four people. And I, I, and three of them are some, people you already know they're going to be gone for sure. Anyways. Right. Like there's like well, three wild cards and a random guy. Exactly. And by the way, even though the fourth person was never a threat to win the event or, or certainly not a world title, you know, and that's been consistent in every single contest for years now. So it's not just like a fluke. It's, it's a lot of evidence that something needs to change. I agree. Well, even watching like the, um, watching the snapper, the, yeah, what is it? The challenger series thing. It was like refreshing. Like these guys just win or lose this heat. Like they're done. Exactly killer two guys are gone two people are moving on like that was awesome i thought and um that like that kind of thing and then the cut i think is i really like it personally and i understand like i find it like i know most of the guys in these contests you know like they're like i've known them most of them for quite a while so i don't want to see anybody like yeah of course i want you to like have a good job and do whatever but like at the same time it's like we would like to make this exciting and interesting and like a little more compact. I'm really curious to see, like once we get like this next contest will be interesting to see, you know, like G land is going to be, I'm pointing to it. It's over there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The uh, it'll be cool to see it and to see how it works, you know, and like all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is a streamlined little thing and it's could be sick, you know? Well, I think um, like in an ideal, I know that there's, parts that I don't have prep that I'm not privy to, like you said, that would make other things make sense. But yeah. if we just start from the top and what I would like to see is the best surfers in the world in the best waves, and that will be entertaining oh. enough and it'll be dramatic. There's enough inherent drama in that and it'll solve so many of these little squabbles that we end up having with, yeah, sure. uh, you know, measuring a six, five versus a six, seven at a beach break. Like what is the actual objective difference between that? It's very hard to define. So when you put people in barreling big reef passes, it's a lot easier to see kind of who the best is, but what that also does and what the WSL should be striving for is the best surfers in the world, John, John Florence, Gabriel Medina, Jack Robinson, even have been honing 
their skills in the best waves in the world. So that's what we want to see. You want to see the formula one drivers shaving seconds off of lap times and microseconds. And when you run a lot of events in beach breaks and John John or in wave pools and John John is losing to people like it's going, putting a formula one driver in a go-kart. And now these professional go-kart drivers are able to beat John John in that it's a, it's a regressive format that does not progress surfing. And Jack almost got booted off tour last year. Thankfully in Mexico, he was able to win an event and he came back. But if we were to see people like Jack Robinson, who spent decades honing that skill for the best waves in the world, that only very few people can actually ride to that level, it would be an utter shame. So I think those are the big pieces that I feel like the WSL needs to prioritize because then the little pieces will actually take care of themselves. It all, it all basically boils down to shortening the event time because there's no way to control nature. Like you can't, no matter what, every surf spot gets shitty, right? Like G line gets shitty. Um, anything chopes gets flat, whatever. But if you have 10 days or 12 days at that spot and you only need two days to run a contest, you're going to, you have a much, much higher chance of getting good waves. And that's kind of what I see. It comes down to more than anything else is just like tightening that up so that you can just, you don't have like that. Okay. We're going to run today, even though it sucks. They're like, why are they starting? It's like, because we want to end, it's going to get good in a couple of days and we want to be able to end in good waves or whatever it is, well, you know, you being able to run in one swell is what it comes down to Yeah, totally. not needing yeah. multiple swells yeah, and, and, not, and not having be, or no swell one swell exactly. and then nothing. Right. Exactly. And for the purpose of what you said at the beginning, which is we're, we're wasting two days to get rid of four people who are never going to win the event anyways. We know that's already a waste. And that's a, that is a full swell window right there. Those two days. And it's even like boring. You're like, like, wow, this is, I don't even need to watch this heat. I don't, I want to watch like guys ripping. That's what pro surfing, like that's what like competitive pro surfing is to me is like guys that are just like, Holy shit. You know? Yeah. Totally. Not like, Oh yeah. Here's that one to the beach and got the score. It's sick. And the whole thing of like, if you, you know, I was tripping out at, at, um, at snapper guys do 30 turns and think, and then they fall on the end and they're like, Oh, too bad. He didn't finish it. You're like, dude, he rode away for 30 seconds and did a hundred turns. Who cares if he fell on the last one, right? That, that, that kind of stuff just boggles my mind completely. Let it go. People completely (laughs) deducting points after they've already been accumulated is totally backwards. Uh, I can't understand it. Have um, you, have you, um, have you watched that? Uh, you've been watching, what is it called? Uh, make or break. I watched, you watched I, all been, of it? I binged all of it and loved it. Yeah. yeah. So what that was you? a cool thing. Like, I think a lot of people have been, uh, like claiming like, Hey, what we need to know more about these people. Like to me, that's really missing too. Is like the people, like, who is this? Who is, who is any of them? You know, what are, what are their personalities? Like what drives them? What does this? And that was pretty sweet to like, get a view to that. I think it gave people a lot of, um, like you, like you can become like a fan of somebody or not who cares if you're a fan, like, Hey, I like that guy. Now I used to think he was a dick. He's I, now I understand why he acted like that and da, 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 da. And like, it's pretty cool. Or maybe still like, I still think he's a dick, but like, I get it. I a hundred percent. I'm more invested in Gabriel Medina now than I've ever been before. I'm a total fan of his. 
Matt McGillivray, Morgan Siblick, all of them that they were profiled Morgan in there. Siblick, I loved all like, of them. He's like, I'm going to join a frat and just do keg stands tomorrow. Right. <laughs> I was laughing but, so hard with that. He's like, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to go out till 10 tonight. I'll be home soon. And then the next day he's just like dragging himself down to his heat. So I'm like, oh yeah, it's a 21 year old. Exactly. That's what you do. Well, and beyond getting to know the characters, um, showing the Sage Erickson and Tatiana Weston Webb little scuffle on the beach, epic. Now what? That's the that's literally my biggest thing with the WSL. I was like, why don't you just show some? Just why are you trying to make it so fucking nice? Right. Like, why is everything so like like what? Just like surfing was never nice to me. Surfing's yeah. not nice. Yeah, I am sure like tons of these guys like each other and are friends, but there's moments of all this stuff and like there's so much behind it. And that I don't know. They it's did just, a great job with that series. What's that? They did a great oh, job. Yeah, with yeah that it series. was cool. And so, the judge thing was cool too. Having like a little view of the judges, yeah. you're actually hearing what someone has to say and like how the how they go about it a little bit, not really yeah. that much, but a little bit. It's kind um. Of cool. While we're on the WSL, who are John's and Tyler's biggest threats for the world title this year? It's funny. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'd say like Philippe, you got to put Philippe Toledo into like the trestles thing. The, the whole thing for me is I really dislike the, um, that final day thing at trestles, especially like I kind of yeah. dislike it overall because I feel like that these guys work like I see the effort that gets put into each event and like what they're doing and like building up and to have that, um, to have that year long, not, not necessarily consistency, but just like being able to muscle through it all over the whole year, I feel like is a really big deal. And to show that like, Hey, I can, I can win in a beach break or in giant way, whatever it is. I think that's so much more valuable than like, yeah, I made it to the top five. And then I, I had a good day at trestles last year was like a, everything came out right. Right. Medina yeah, was in totally. the thing and like, and that was fine, but I just feel like that's just a poor way to run an event or, or to, to win a world title, to have it all boil down to one day at trestles just seems silly. That said, I would say Carissa is always like super gnarly and, and Philippe Toledo, um, Italo, I was surfing with Italo yesterday down here and he's doing like eight foot errors on waves that most people are just like casually trying to pump down the line. I'm just like, dude, you're gnarly. What are you doing? So you're doing Superman's just like whatever. Um, yeah. But I think everyone's, a, everyone's a threat, you know, it just depends yeah. on like, if it's this big, if it's shoulder high or if it's pumping or they're all so good. And then it's yeah. just like a matter of like feeling good that day, having things go your way obviously going into that in first place gives you a giant advantage. You surf three heats or, or it could even be just two heats to win the whole thing. Um, but that seems kind of weird, doesn't it? Like I surf totally. two heats, but you put yourself in that position by being good all year. So there's, there's a balance to it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I know that John, like I asked John about it last year when they started doing that, they were going to do it that way. I'm like, what do you think about that? He's all, it's fine. Like he, he's awesome where he's just like, I'm going to show up and do my thing. You know, he's not like, Oh damn it. This and that. He doesn't complain about it. He's just like, that's my job. And if that's where they're going to do it. I'll go and do it. Good. Do my best. So which is cool. Um, 
final question is just what was the last surfboard that you rode? What'd you ride yesterday? I rode a, it was fun. My first session on, uh, it's called a mini ghost. It's like this little chunkier kind of version of the ghost. I know I've, I know I've really maxed out the ghost, but it's like <laughs> board works so good. It's like, I can't help it. And I just want to like play with stuff and, and do different things. But, um, the rocker and that thing works so good, but it's like a, it has a little beak. It looks like an eighties board kind of okay. like it has a beak and a hip. My, the one that I rode yesterday, it was actually a swallow tail, which I've never ridden. And it was just, it works so good. I was so stoked. It was like, I mean, I was surfing 200 yard long lefts with that were overhead and not perfect, but really good. But yeah, um, yeah mini ghost. And I rode a Pisanian the day before. That was pretty fun. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, John, uh, thank you for taking the time away from your family yeah, no worries. while you're on vacation to do this. I know uh, listeners are eager to hear from you. So, yeah, thanks so, so much. Cool. I appreciate Gladly. it. Too. And I'm, I'm glad right, to clarify the Tyler, Tyler stuff, which kind of Me. spurred this whole conversation. Huh? I know it's all in good, good nature. <laughs> well, thanks a bunch for having me on and thanks for your time. And, all right, man. Uh, no problem. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much, John Pizel. I was almost thinking, I mean, I've seen Pizel a couple of times over the years. We did a podcast with him a number of years ago, but I was almost thinking he feels kind of reclusive because you don't see a ton on him. And um, he's not. I mean, once you kind of listen within a minute or two of this, I think you can glean that he's not uh, necessarily reclusive. What it is, is he's just not an overt self-promoter, you know, like we've come to kind of expect everyone to be these days. And so it's really refreshing. The humility and the humble nature of John is really refreshing, actually. So I really enjoy John Pizel and um, I always look forward to chatting with him whenever we get the chance. Whenever I get a message from him, I'm always uh, it's always humorous and he's always poking fun at something. So I always appreciate John and his sense of humor. And of course, the work that he's doing is just unbelievable. And so I'm excited for all of the success that he's had. Uh, and he's a hard worker. So kudos to John and uh, his community of support and crew that keeps those boards being built around the world. Of course, we've linked to PizelSurfboards.com on our website, SurfSplendorPodcast.com. We've also linked to RealWaterSports.com where you can buy Pizel Surfboards. And of course, to our brand new partnership, Florence Marine X. Thrilled to introduce that. And of course, you get 20% off your first purchase if you use our promo code, which is the word SURF. So all of that stuff is available on SurfSplendorPodcast.com, along with a comment section at the bottom. If you'd like to leave a note for John Pizel, I will ensure that he sees that. And we've got uh, lots coming up in these coming months. Um, obviously, we dropped an episode of Spit with Scott Bass yesterday. I've got an episode of The Grit coming tomorrow with Chess Smith. The Brewer Brothers over on Hardcore Surf History also just did an interview with Devin Howard about his kind of uh, resignation from the World Surf League, 
Longboard Revolution and all these other things. So you should definitely, it's a great interview. You should definitely check that out. You can find Hardcore Surf History on any app that you use or of course on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. And then also we are giving away that uh, Channel Islands Free Scrubber Twin Fin. We're giving that away on June 1st. So in about two weeks from now, and the way that you get entered to win that is just to simply support our work. We have a subscription platform set up. It's $5 a month or $10 a month, whichever you prefer. And um, it's the foundation of our business. And so if you could do that, we are very grateful for it. And uh, we do try to do these surfboard giveaways as a thank you to our listeners. So the Channel Islands Free Scrubber, uh, you could pick the one with the dimensions that best suit you off Channel Islands stock inventory on their website. And then we'll have it shipped directly to you wherever you are or fulfilled from Channel Islands uh, factory in your local country. So that's a pretty cool thing. And I've been loving, absolutely loving that board. And then by the way, in a coming month, we're gonna have um, Pizel make available one of John John's trade-ins for this giveaway. So that's pretty epic. You can have one of John John's boards. Um, That'll be in a coming month. So again, just a thank you because your support really does go a long way to this work. And we enjoy doing the work. And we want to do more of it and continue for the indefinite future. So thank you for the support there. Uh, I'll be back next week with an all-new episode with Benji Weatherly. That is a super fun, wild, just an absolutely entertaining guy to listen to. So I had a blast with that, and I hope you'll enjoy that. But at any rate, my name is David Scales for Surf Splendor. So until next week with Benji Weatherly, I am reminding you and encouraging you to get back into the ocean, share some waves, and of course, shred on. And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.